Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Okay, here we are. It's episode 14, Preaching and Prayer. I have recorded this three or four times, and this is the, I guess, fourth or fifth take, and I'm hoping this is the one. It's been a hard one to record for some reason, and I'm hopeful that this will be the the final take. I'm going to ask for the Lord's help, and then I want to talk to you about pastoral priority number three, preaching and prayer. I'm working through the question, what does a pastor do? And I've answered the first two, and with pastoral priority one and two, you can go listen to those, the last two episodes, and then today... We're talking about preaching and prayer. Let's ask for the Lord's help. Father, I just ask that you would give wisdom and clarity to myself right now as I'm talking through uh, this priority of preaching and of prayer. Tragically, these two things have been neglected, and we ask for your wisdom as we consider these things. Holy Spirit, shine a huge spotlight right on Jesus. I trust that you will, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 6. We find that the apostles were quite approachable. We could do another podcast, in fact I may at some some point, talking about the pastor and approachability, because the apostles were approached because there were Hellenistic widows being neglected in the daily food distribution, and so they came and talked to the Twelve about it, and the Twelve ended up having to delegate some responsibilities, but it's an interesting reason, you've studied this before, considered it before, I'm sure, but it's an interesting reason that they delegated the responsibilities. We pick it up and Verse 2, the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, pick out brothers from among you, seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we will appoint them to this duty. So, delegation. Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Now, I could be wrong, but as I kind of navigate the, the landscape of today, I think there's been a great reversible, reversal. Because I think the general sentiment of the day, and even at my heart at some time, and it, you know, at times, is that it's not right that we should give up serving tables to preach and pray. There's a reversal. It feels right to say, don't give up serving tables to preach, but that's not what the apostles tell us. It's not right to give up preaching and prayer to serve tables. So they had to delegate. At this time, there's about 5,000 people in the church in Jerusalem, so there's a lot of work to go around. And it's not that the apostles were delegating their Christian responsibility to care for the poor, help the widows, but the task of the work of the widows through the whole city was so huge that for them to tackle this themselves, they would have to neglect ministry of the word and prayer. And for them, they couldn't do that. They saw that as a central priority, preaching and prayer, or prayer and preaching. And that task remains a central priority for us today. Don't neglect this work. Even if you have to let other things go, or even if you have to delegate more things that you're comfortable with, you have to preach and you have to pray. These two things go together. That's why it's the one pastoral priority, pastoral priority number three. They go together. Well, let me just tell you a few things about the context of the ministry of the Word, because the ministry of the Word is broader than just Sunday morning. In Acts chapter 20, Paul, and as he's talking to the Ephesian elders, he said that he had not shrunk back from declaring to them both in public and from house to house everything that was profitable for them. That the Apostle Paul took the ministry of the word beyond the Lord's Day gathering and into the home. 
And that still remains our task today. The ministry of the Word goes with us from Sunday morning through the rest of the week into every other context we find ourselves in, from small groups to discipleship relationships to grief counseling to uh, marriage counseling, all those spheres of ministry, the ministry of the Word is to be brought there. And for us, from Sunday morning to ministry through the week, What's required is for us to bring not our wit or our wisdom or our good counsel. What's required of us is to be ministers of the word. That's what we do. We pray and we minister the word. We'll get to prayer here in a second. But the content, as we minister the word, as we do this, there is some content that's involved. And it's not ministry of ourselves, although we do give ourselves. It's ministry of the word. So we got to ask, okay, what does it mean to minister with the word? Well, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, what the content is. We are to preach the word. Preach the word, Paul tells Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Pause. So when are we to preach the word? Well, in season, when there seems to be a lot of apparent fruit, and out of season, when it feels like there isn't apparent fruit. But we're to preach in season and out of season, reprove, Rebuke, exhort, with complete patience in the teaching. We are to preach the word. Well, in pre- the previous verses, you know, from 2 Timothy chapter 3, we find that all scripture is God-breathed. We preach the word because all the words of God are in the Bible, and we ultimately, and the people we minister to throughout the week, we need to hear from God. In the end, pastor Our people don't need us. They don't need our word. We are called to preach the word, not preach our word. There's a huge difference with that. We're not called to preach our word. We're called to preach the word. We are not called to use the Bible to preach. We're called to preach the Bible. Again, a big, big difference. I remember when I first felt called to ministry, a well-meaning man told me, if you want to to preach, you got to make sure you have something to say. You got to have something to say, Jared. And as I reflected on that, it's kind of taken me years to kind of unpack that in my own life. Here's the truth. If you're going to preach, I had to make sure I had nothing to say. And preacher, if you're going to preach, young man considering ministry, if you're going to preach, you got to make sure, let me just hear from me, you make sure you have nothing to say. You preach the word. The authority doesn't lie within you and your ideas or your creativity, for goodness sake, we have enough communicators in the world. We need some proclaimers of the word. Don't stand up there and just communicate and dance and do tricks to try to get this as pliable as possible to your people. Get up and proclaim the word. That's what we do. We preach the word. Now, our good friend Chuck Spurgeon has a lot of things to talk about when it comes to preaching. One of the best things that he had talked about was uh, instead of just defending the gospel all the time, actually doing the work of preaching the gospel. And he says it in this way. It's so great. A great many learned men are defending the gospel. No doubt it's a very proper and right thing to do. Yet I always notice that when there are most books of that kind, it's because the gospel itself is not actually being preached. Suppose a number of persons were to take into their heads that they had to defend a lion, the full-grown king of beasts. There he is in his cage, and here come all the soldiers of the army to fight for this lion. Well, I suggest, I would suggest to them, if they would not object to me and feel that it was humbling to them, that they should kindly just stand back and open the door and let the lion out. I believe the best way of defending him would be to let him out, for he can take care of himself. 
The best apology for the gospel is to let the gospel out. Never mind defending Deuteronomy or the whole of the Pentateuch. Preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let the lion out and see who would dare approach him. The lion of the tribe of Judah will soon drive away all of his adversaries. End quote. Don't you love that? We are called to preach the Bible, preach the word, because if we're going to preach the word, we are going to preach Christ because the word is Christ-centered. Our people on the Lord's Day and then Sunday evenings, if your church has Sunday evening services, Wednesday night, if they have Wednesday night services, but then in all these other contexts that the ministry of the word happens, our people desperately need Jesus. They need to hear about the finished work of Christ. Our people are busy doing everything that they're doing at work and at school or taking care of their families or living a retirement life, whatever it is. And they desperately need to hear that the work has been done. It is finished. They need to hear about Christ for them. And if Christ is in them, they will want to hear about Christ for them. Let the lion out and he'll drive the adversaries and the naysayers away. Preach Christ in him crucified. Now, Chuck Spurgeon, again, I don't know why I'm calling him Chuck this morning, but I am. He said this about uh, preachers or would-be preachers. The motto of all true servants of God must be, we preach Christ and him crucified. If we're going to be ministers of the word, this is me now, then we're going to preach Christ. And it's back to Spurgeon. He says, a sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth preaching. That's so great and applicable down into your car stereo right now. Preach Christ. Don't preach anything else. Don't use the Bible to preach. Preach the word. And if you preach the word, you'll be preaching Christ. We got to give our people Jesus. And don't neglect this for the service of tables. Make this a priority. If other things have to get off your plate, make sure and get them off your plate so you can do the work of ministry of the word. Our, our people, the sheep, desperately need to hear from God. And that's our task, our responsibility. But it's not it. That's not all Deuteronomy or, or John or Acts chapter 6 says. It also says, that the apostle said, we will pray and be committed to the ministry of the word. Prayer is the work of ministry. It doesn't help us in the work of ministry. It isn't our means by which we do ministry, prayer itself is the work. You guys have heard this. If you're in seminary, if you're in, in classes on pastoral ministry at all or taking any classes on it, you know that prayer is the work. It doesn't support the work. It is the work. Prayer is the work of ministry in the same way that ministry of the word is the work of ministry. And prayer, in so much as we pray, it's it, it's more than just prayers prayed out loud. It's a posture of heart. So when we consider prayer deeply, we have to know the reasons why we don't pray. And if you don't pray, or if you struggle in this task, or if you could pray more, which is all of us, the reason we don't pray or don't feel like we pray enough is ultimately because we don't want to. We really don't believe we need to. If your prayer life is staggering, it, the, the question isn't, well, how can I just pray more? And the question is, why don't I want to? What's going on inside of me that feels like I can be dependent and I can do this work, I can love these people, I can meet their needs, apart from the power of God. So prayer, rightly, has to be from a posture that's brought into any situation, and this posture is the heart of the pastor who is dependent upon the Lord and is, recognition, is recognizing his neediness. I am needy here. I don't have what it takes in this situation. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit 
to lead me in this situation, to help me to find a way to point these people to Jesus and to get ministry for them from Christ himself. A person will be committed to prayer when they're committed or they're convinced that we are not God, that we don't carry within ourselves the answers and the ability to be present for everyone and everything. So we desperately, if we have that posture, we will pray. And then prayer um, is is really, prayer, prayer life is really robust. It, it, it happens, yes, in the morning in your prayer closet. It happens in the afternoon or the evening, wherever your intense time of prayer is. But prayer is also about going to discipleship meetings and your discipleship relationship and just praying, hey God, would you help me out here? Give me wisdom here. As simple as that. God, I need wisdom. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting my need and I'm desperate for you to show up here and to help us as I point this man to Jesus. It's going to a marriage session and saying, God, I really have nothing to say to these people. I just I just need wisdom. Help me. God, I pray that you would break through his stubborn heart or break through her stubborn heart. Help me to simply point them to Jesus here. And then, Jesus, you do this work of ministry in their life. We pray before, during, and after these counseling sessions. Prayer becomes a way of life, and we can beat ourselves up, certainly, over it. Well, I'm not praying enough, or, oh, my goodness, I could pray more. Well, duh, like we all could. But instead, simply pray. Don't just whine about not compl- not praying enough. Pray. Like right now, instead of thinking, boy, why don't I pray enough? We'll just pause, hit the pause button in your iPhone, and just talk to your Heavenly Father. Hey, God, I'm sorry for not praying to you enough. I thank you that your grace is upon me when I don't pray enough. Um, and at times, Pastor, here's the deal. You're going to find, and this, this kind of dawned on me a couple years ago, I found that my public prayer life was more robust than my private prayer life. And it got me thinking, my goodness, that's not right. My private prayer life should fuel my public prayer life, shouldn't it? I mean, the most intense prayers that I pray shouldn't be on a Sunday morning or, or when I'm with our people or small group. It should be like before I'm doing this podcast or after I do this podcast or when I'm going to a prayer session with somebody or going to, a, um, to preach on Sunday morning or when I'm going to give some counsel or whatever it may be or when they're coming to my office. The most robust prayers you pray ought to be with you and God, just between you and God. So fight that your prayer life is more robust privately than publicly. We don't need a disconnect between our private and public life here. We don't want to be hypocritical in our prayer life. Um, But it's typical when we talk about prayer for some reason to kind of feel beat up about it. Uh, I think it's uh, Robert Murray McKeon or Hudson Taylor or somebody who said a man is who he is on his knees before God and he's nothing more, nothing less. And when we hear quotes like that, we think, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. And then immediately, you know, our our, you know, we feel some like a weight of that or feel some condemnation because we could all be praying more. I mean, that's just the reality. We could be praying more and we're not. So we could feel condemned about this priority the apostles give to us of preaching and prayer. But I just have some good news here. Um, Jesus, the word made flesh, came as a preacher and he came as a prayer. He spent time in the mornings praying in the garden with his heavenly father. He prayed with his apostles. He prayed everywhere he went. He was the one that had a posture of prayer without ceasing. He really did. And so there's grace for the pastor who's struggling with this preaching or even like making preaching a priority where if you are struggling, you struggle to delegate. That's that's what I do. I struggle to delegate. And 
I'll find that I'm cramming for preparation on Sundays because I'm I'm doing other things or I feel like I'm constantly, you know, it's and getting up on Sunday morning and finishing my sermon and, and where I want to be done on Thursday. If you find yourself and your your ministry of the word is struggling, if you're in a season where that's struggling, or if your prayer life is struggling, goodness gracious, there's hope. The whole point of this podcast is for me to the shepherd's crook kind of pull you in and say, remember Jesus here. I mean, it's not just Paul to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ in Second in Second Timothy chapter 4. It's not just Timothy that needed to remember Jesus. It's you. And it's me. So there's good news for those who struggle to make preaching and prayer the, the proper place in ministry. There's good news because Jesus is the great substitute preacher and prayer for you. For every pastoral demand made on you, there is rest in Christ for you. Because it is finished, after all. He is the great and perfect great shepherd, the chief shepherd, and he has done pastoral ministry perfectly and continues to pastor his church perfectly in your place. So there's freedom for us to grow in preaching ministry of the word and in prayer. So preach and pray. Do it. Let other things be done by other people, but let us give ourselves to the work of preaching, or ministry of the word, it's broader than just preaching, and prayer. And then finally, here's a couple book recommendations that I can throw your way. Uh, and this is on the bookshelf on the shepherdscrook.co. This book is. It's uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Preaching and Preachers. If you're in seminary right now, you're probably, you've probably studied this, or if you've been around you know, reform circles or at all, you've heard the book, Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's my favorite on preaching. I'd, I'd encourage you to go get it and read it. There's other good preaching books. David Helm has a really good book in the Nine Mark series just called Expositional Preaching. That's a fantastic little book on preaching that will help you, uh, your, your sermons be driven by the text and not by yourself. You can get that. And then books on prayer that I encourage you to get. Paul Miller's The Praying Life gets a one that's been thrown around and recommended by everybody from, from Chalice to, uh, I think, even Ligonier does that. And it's just a great book, The Praying Life by Paul Miller. And then Prayer by Tim Keller. That book by Tim Keller is fantastic on prayer. So let me encourage you to get pick up those books and read them. And then, uh, without fear, move forward. Preach in prayer. Pray. Make it a priority. Uh, ministry of the Word and whatever you do today. And, uh, and um, do it in peace. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.